This is Big Talk. Michael Glab here. My guests this week in the studio, Chad Rabinovitz, Simon Coronel. One of them has come from a long way, let's say from the other side of the earth. Would we say that, Simon? We would. Are we, are we talking about emotionally? What yeah. The, oh, well, That's emotion- all we were talking about. Okay. Yeah. Emotionally from Saturn. Good for you. Good for you. <laughs> Spiritually from Neptune. Simon's from Australia. He's a well-known... Not musician, <laughs> magician. I've already made that mistake. <laughs> <laughs> Look, life would probably be easier if I were a well-known musician, right? Yeah. Just book out some concert arenas, bam, done. You'd have more dates, that's for sure. That's true. Magic doesn't do that. Get out. Is that true? I oh, would man. Only, only when Chad does it. <laughs> yeah, right. The, the, <laughs> the number one thing you learn as a magician is if you, uh, if you do a trick... Uh, usually, the, this is the line when when I did magic. Uh, I would go up to girls in college and I'd do magic, and they'd say, "Oh, that's amazing! Stay right there. I, I want to show my boyfriend. <laughs> he will love this." <laughs> hey, <laughs> we're learning a lot from the start. I love it, <laughs> Simon. So, are you a magician yeah. or an illusionist? I, I actually genuinely strongly prefer illusionist, but I've also spent a solid decade trying to correct people and failing. So at this point, I just kind of accept I'm stuck with magician. I do try for illusionist whenever I can, but. I'm going to go right to Chad. Now, first off, let, let me tell you who these people are in case you've been living under a rock for 150 years. Chad Rabinovitz is the producing artistic director at both Bloomington Playwrights Project and the Adirondack Theater Festival. Simon Coronel is opening a one-man show tomorrow. Wait, what? That would be September 21st. No, don't get worried now. <laughs> right, Panic. this isn't live. He got, he got so this scared. Live. I'm trying to what now? <laughs> Clearly, your sources are poor. So there no, there are more rehearsal sense. days. This is, yeah, this is <laughs> airing the day before it opens. <laughs> that makes sense. All right. Glitches in Reality is the show. Now, it's running this coming weekend, September 21st and 22nd. It's running next weekend, September 27th through the 29th. It's running the weekend after that, October 4th and 5th. It's you alone. Does that scare you? Nah, it's fine. You love, to, <laughs> well, you love being on stage? Um, I, I like being on stage. I, it, it's, also, it's, it's not alone because there's a whole team behind, behind the project. There's so many people working with it that actually makes me, that's what makes me scared because normally most shows I'm doing, it is me alone. I'm used to that. That's yeah. the nature of most magic, which I'm sure Chad has some insight on and how that could be fixed. But most of the time when I do a show, it's all me. I've written it, directed it, designed it, performed it, practiced it. So if I screw up due to my own incompetence, it's only me who bears the brunt of that. Whereas now if I screw anything up, many other people are affected by that. And so the, the crushing responsibility of this has been terrifying for I'm me. I'm going to scare the bejesus out of him, Chad, <laughs> and tell him there are also more chances for other people to screw up your act, That's too. True. Do you think about that, or do you have utter trust in these people? Nah, they, they're way more competent than I am, so they're going to be fine. And honestly, if they screw up, I, I know that I can adapt to that. Uh-huh. I've got a background among many other things. I studied a lot of improv acting, and I'm very okay with kind of rolling with something. So if a lighting thing or a sound thing goes wrong, I, I can deal with that. But if I screw something up, there's not Who's going to save you? How can they help me? Yeah. 
Well, the website for BPP tells us about glitches in reality. It uses close-up trickery and mind-blowing sleight of hand to take the audience on a journey through the truth behind magic and illusion. And what is the difference between magic and illusion, if any? It's, um, it's a minor thing, and it, there are many, depending on who you ask, there are a lot of different definitions of both words. Uh, for example, two most magicians uh, in the industry, uh, illusionist to them means person who does big box tricks on stage, which I think is a ridiculous, that's an industry jargon thing that I don't agree with. I don't big use the box. term. Big box. You know, big box illusions where they're putting yeah. someone in a box and they vanish and, yeah. and someone appears inside another big box, and it's the big boxes doing all the work. That's the industry jargon for quote-unquote illusionist, which I don't think is right at all. Uh, for me, it's just literally, the truth is I can't actually do real magic. I can actually create illusions of stuff. It's just a literally accurate, honest term, and that's why I like it. I like telling it like it is. How did this come about, Chad? Uh, Simon is uh, from Australia, as I say. Whereabouts in Australia? From Melbourne. Melbourne, Australia. Okay, but he's living now in L.A. Mm-hmm. How did he come about appearing here and working with you? Uh, well, uh, he was uh, on a show called Penn & Teller Fool Us, which uh, I'm an avid watcher. Uh, I saw his act and really loved what he did. And if you uh, catch it on YouTube, uh, you'll also see uh, him perform that exact same trick in our show. Huh. Uh, it turns out that we were connected to someone through a friend of a friend. Uh, and I reached out and, and talked to his, his manager and said, hey, I would love to develop an act with Simon. I think he's got an incredible ability. Let's work together. And you'd never heard of this guy? No, I had no idea. Uh, but it just turns out, like, I'd, I'd seen uh, Simon, and he really stood out. If you see his performance, his performance ability, uh, his, his charm on stage, and uh, I wanted to, to make something happen. And we've been developing this show for... Got about a year and a half now, yeah. two years. It's... So you reached out about two years ago yeah. to him. When when you see something at BPP, you kind of take for granted, oh, that was cool. Uh, uh, this you know, is something that they rehearsed for a few weeks uh, and put up for us. Well, this is something that uh, Simon and I have literally been developing for years. Uh, we started by looking at all of the material that he does, all the material that he was looking to do, uh, looking at the things that he's, even the stuff that he's written. Because huh. uh, we're creating a brand new script uh, from, from, really from scratch, using a lot of some, you know, some of the material that he had done in the past. And even we're developing new stuff tonight that's going to be in the show that hasn't You're been You're working on stuff to come yeah. And yeah. it's going to be on the yeah, show. Cause yeah, because we're develop, and so when we when we put up the show, we try it out, we uh, edit things, and we continue to work on it. So, like all BPP plays, there uh, works in progress that uh, are really far along. Uh, but it's not just something that came about overnight. Even a BPP play, the next play that you're going to see after Simon is years in the making. Yeah. So, and the one after that, and the one after that. Uh, and so I worked with the with the playwrights to develop those uh, over the course of a long period of time. And magic is no different. There's And so we see things that, like right now, like actually Mark Summers came and saw the show uh, three days ago, a mm -hmm. uh, rehearsal, and he's like, well, what about this, this, and this? And why is this... Uh, illusion right here and so we're like oh that's right well maybe and you uh, didn't tell him to beat it what's your well, business you know, mister it's you know, every feedback is always useful from uh, everybody even if it's bad stupid feedback uh, get out of here Mark <laughs> Summers his yeah. was good feedback <laughs> uh, because I, I always think of it, it it's 
I think way too many performers and creators are way too diva-ish about that because bad feedback doesn't hurt you. You can just ignore it. Yeah. And good feedback can come from anywhere, even the most unexpected places. Like a six-year-old kid can go, why is that thing there? And you realize, oh, yeah, what is that thing there? Why didn't we think about that? I, I think one of the stupidest things you can do as a creator is to dismiss feedback. Yeah. You don't have to take it, but don't resent it that's that's ridiculous you know it's so important that people can't tell you what they think and we're the ones who need it more than Mm. than anyone if you go see hello dolly that's a show that's received lots of feedback (laughs) and it's gotten the script you know honed and that production may be wholly different than the original but uh, that script has been fine-tuned yeah. We're asking our audience every single night for feedback, even after the show's opened, yeah. because we're continually making it better so that it can go uh, far beyond. Our regulars know that's what the gig is. Yeah. Yeah. We want to know how we can make the shows better. And as an artistic director, I want to know how I can make the shows better for you. Am I programming the right material? What's well, one I, of the many things that Chad and I have connected on is it turns out both of us independently, like even before meeting, I would run a lot of actual online surveys after my shows. I would give out, please go to this link and fill out this questionnaire cards about my show, including oh. things like, what did you like the most? What did you like the least? Any other ideas? Just trying to get that audience feedback. And Chad, actually, I discovered has the same approach. He often what if someone surveys. said, geez, I hate that guy's face? Um, you take it on board. There's not oh, much yeah. you can you can't do but anything can't about it. Face, but, but it's you. It's use more. It's better to know things than not know things. You know, if I eventually discover that one out of a hundred people say I hate that guy's face, at least I know that there's one one percent of the audience <laughs> is hating my face, and I can maybe I don't know at least be aware of that. Yeah, yeah. It's better but always it, better to know than not know. Well, I mean, I, I will say there's one thing that I know about my job all the time is that people will love what I do, and some people absolutely hate yeah. what I do. Yeah, and you're the. I've just learned over the years that job is to just make that pile of people who love what you do more because that's everyone has a varying uh, taste and you can't please a hundred percent. But you're just trying to create the best work that you can. I think it should be pointed out BPP, the Bloomington Playwrights Project, only produces new works. That's its calling card. Yep. And interestingly enough, if I can go a little deeper into who you are. Oh, oh dear. Oh, yeah. Uh, oh, you dear. Know, I, 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 I pulled out the police record here, and I'm <laughs> okay. ready to go. Okay. You are the producing artistic director at two different theaters, as I said, BPP and the Adirondack Theater Festival, and both of them produce new works. Are there a lot of theaters around the country that do new works uh, there are actually very few, very few, uh, especially ones that focus on new work. So we're the BPP is the only professional theater in Indiana, the whole state. Think yeah. of the entire state only has one theater dedicated to the full production of new plays. Uh, and if you go to another state, you might find zero, uh, especially ones that don't have big cities. If you exclude your, you know, your New York City, your Chicago. Yeah. Uh, there's very few. And so the the fact, what attracted to me to BPP in the first place was the fact that uh, BPP existed uh, yeah. and that it could exist and, and thrive uh, in in Bloomington, Indiana. And when I came and visited, I was like, oh, well, this is why. It's a, such a cultured place uh, with a potential audience that could really support uh, new works and creative new theater uh, that we can be the beginning of what the rest of the country sees. Now, real quickly, where is home? Well, uh, here's home. 
Yeah. Uh, I live part of the time here and uh, and half the time in Glens Falls, New York. So are the seasons uh, not in sync then, yeah. or in sync properly for you? Well, uh, yes. Yes. So, uh, you know, here we run uh, basically with IU. It's a school yeah. year type season. Uh-huh. And in the summer, we run, uh, run youth education programs. And in Glens Falls, uh, it's a summer theater so it, it works out perfectly, and I can fly back and forth between the two, uh, and we have a live stream video feed in our theater and BPP, so when I'm gone, I can even watch rehearsals and performances. It works out really great. It's just a stupid amount of work. Had you ever heard of Euchre? Oh, yeah. In Australia? Uh, no, oh, I'd heard of it. I'd heard of it, but I didn't know it. I just knew it was a card game. I didn't actually learn to play Euchre until I moved to L.A., and some friends there at one point taught me. It's uh, like the state game. And when's the last time you guys played? Oh, a couple nights ago. <laughs> yeah. Who was in on that game? Uh, me and Simon were a team. Uh, uh, one of our uh, BPP stage managers, Tab, and television's Mark Summers. <laughs> <laughs> who was, uh, he was in town uh, because we had developed his show here, The Life and Slimes of Mark Summers, which is a, a really great show, a big hit, and we're trying to move on. But we also developed uh, a documentary yeah. based on that play. A camera crew followed us around, and we just brought uh, that documentary, a sneak preview of it, to IU Cinema. Right. Uh, Friday. That was last week. Yes. That was last week. Uh, we're hoping to get that uh, onto your Netflix and your Hulu. <laughs> Uh, soon. Uh, so Mark was here and he loves Euchre. So. And it turns out so did we and Tab. We just we were all sitting at dinner and somehow it came up in conversation. We went, wait, you're into Euchre? You're into Euchre? I'm into Euchre. Oh my God. Let's yep. play. Let's do it. And was I, someone carrying a, a deck of cards? Well, no, well, it wasn't until the next night. But why it's not? So Plus, rare you're, you're hanging around with two people who who do magic so yeah, there's always there's we have we have uh probably 200 decks of cards currently at the BPP so. I still love that I didn't know who Mark was cuz we were, <laughs> yeah, we he were had on no the same idea. flight cuz I didn't grow up in, in the US I, I never watched any of the things But did he, he know on. who you were? Well <laughs> we were on the same flight Yeah and, and I mean and he knew uh I had been talking about Simon's uh, magic show and uh, Mark uh, started as a magician as well. He was a stand-up comic. He did comedy magic. Uh-huh. Uh, he's heavily into the magic field, and so it was a uh, match made in heaven. And so Chad sort of mentioned, oh, yep, you're flying over on this, and um, Tab will pick you up at the airport. It turns out Mark Summers winning a flight too. And I just assumed this was just some guy who was part of BPP or whatever. Right. And so <laughs> we meet at the airport, and it turns out Tab was going to pick us up, but Mark rents a car, so he's like, oh, yeah, I can give Simon a ride as well. So we're in the car, and I just go, so you, you know Chad? Like, what's What for a living? Deal? Yeah. I had absolutely no idea of any context. And he said, get out. No, he's cool. He's a <laughs> yeah. really great guy. Hey, uh, by the way, I think we should fill in. Uh, Mark Summers was the slimed guy from the Nickelodeon Double Dare show. One of the most popular game shows yeah. of all time. It's actually back on the air now. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, and, yeah, he was on the Food Network. Unwrapped. Unwrapped was one of the, was the most popular show on the Food Network at the time for three years. Uh, he does uh, he did Restaurant Impossible. Yes. Dinner Impossible. Uh, he's hosted uh, more than twenty five television shows. And a fellow by the name of Simon Coronel didn't know who the heck he was. You know uh, those Aussies. He's not big in Australia. <laughs> well, but they, but uh, they they have Double Dare in Australia. They do. Well, that's what's so weird is I grew up. I grew up watching Double Dare, but it was Australian Double Dare with totally different hosts. 
Do you get any American television shows? Oh yeah, down there? hugely. But it's Tons mostly it's, you know sitcoms and dramas and uh -huh. you know like Friends back in the '90s and Breaking Bad and Game of Thrones and all. Do those they dub it into things. Australian? <laughs> <laughs> oh god, that's a horrifying <laughs> prospect. <laughs> hey, by the way, Chad Rabinovitz. Yes, you were working at the Westport Country Theater right before you came here to the BPP. Yes. And uh, you were talking about it at an event for the Westport Theater. And by the way, one of the big deals over at the Westport Theater was the famed actress Joanne Woodward. Yeah, it was actually when I was interviewing for the job. I had uh, I'd gotten to the point where I was in the top three uh, for uh, this position, and I was at a table uh, with uh, Joanne Woodward and John Mellencamp, of all people, and Joanne asked me, uh, Chad, well, what are you up to next? Uh, what's going on in your life? And I said, well, uh, I'm, you know, I've got this interview coming up uh, in Bloomington, Indiana, and uh, John, who uh, hadn't spoken to me that night, uh, just all of a sudden uh, looked up and said, where? <laughs> and I said, oh, uh, Bloomington, Indiana. Have you ever heard of it? <laughs> I had no idea. He's from, you know, you guys know nothing about celebrities, apparently. <laughs> well, I just, so I, I didn't. It's sometimes a useful skill because it means, <laughs> yeah. you know, because they're used to everyone recognizing them uh, and knowing yeah. them. So it can often be quite refreshing to just, yeah, yeah you know, it's often treats you like a human being. Right. Because. Yeah. I mean, that's really the, when you, when you start getting into that world, mm. it just, you know, everyone's a person and especially like yeah. people like Mark Summers are a great example. Um, and even Joanne uh, Woodward uh, and, and her husband, Paul, were just wonderful people. First name, did you notice that? By there you me? go. Oh, Paul. Uh, you know, oh, Paul. <laughs> Simon and Mark got to start off on a great foot because it was very even. Right? Well, You're yeah. just two people who You're are becoming friends. The two yeah. guys who know Chad. Yeah. <laughs> uh, That's it. Yeah, and I'd say I had the loveliest conversation with, with John and his wife at the time about Bloomington. That's where I didn't know anything about uh, this place and, and or Indiana in general and it made me more excited uh, to come and visit and when I got oh. here uh, I, I mean it took no time uh, the interview went well I ended up getting the job and when I moved out here I'd say I, I tell a lot of people in three days I had a better life than I'd ever had uh, before because I loved being in Bloomington so much uh, and everything that John had told me was true. Everyone uh, who I talked to and said, oh, I'm going to Bloomington. They're like, oh, IU. I didn't even know IU was here. <laughs> like I just said, no idea. And it changed so quickly for me uh, getting to be here. You came here. You know, you're probably going to say, oh, Peshaw. You really turned around this theater. Uh, it was uh, having maybe hard times. What do you say? I say, oh, Peshaw. Okay. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I That's mean. That's an Americanism, Simon. I just want you to know, okay? I'm learning so much. See? Yeah. This is good. Spelled P-S-H-R. Uh, <laughs> it's, <laughs> it might be the worst joke I've ever made. <laughs> but, hey, I don't know. I, I was there last night. Uh, yeah. uh, so we did spend the all of last night just telling jokes. Um, Doing a joke. The BPP one, joke off. Well, at the very least, the theater company was in debt. Yeah, so in back in 2009 it was the height of the of the recession. It was yeah. really just starting uh and the theater hadn't found a way to be sustainable. Yeah. Yet. And so it had a you know significant debt and the the upcoming season was projected to be 
uh, growing that even further. And the, I remember this is even on the interview uh, on the phone. One of the first questions I think it might have been the first question I had to a- answer was, "Should we stay in our building, huh. uh, which we at the time could not afford uh, to pay rent for? Our lease was up, and we had uh-huh. to choose whether or not to renew it, which we really didn't have the money and weren't sure that we could pay, or." Uh, become nomadic uh, and get rid of that building and uh, the first I remember answering that question immediately with little knowledge and saying well this is our identity Uh, there's no way uh, that you would get rid of the building because there's very few theater companies where uh, that have their own space yeah Uh, and that was actually the special sauce for BPP and I said we're gonna build our identity around this space uh, and I had no idea what I was talking about at the time, and that's 100% what we did. It's like improv, man. Yeah. Well, it's, yeah, I'd say educated improv. Yeah. But then when we got here, uh, part of the the uh, growth, uh, BPP is, has now, I mean, has sold out uh, every single performance of every show for four straight years. We've quintupled our subscribership. Uh, all that has happened from creating a better home. We did a renovation on the lobby to start things out because I, I always say it looked like a CSI crime scene minus the chalk outline when you walked in. <laughs> it was pretty rough uh, looking and it didn't uh, – the shows were great, but your perception of the shows were affected when you walk in yeah. and don't think something good can be happening in there. And then you walk out and you're like, oh, well, this might not have been a safe place. Uh, and so when we created the, the lobby renovation, then all of a sudden we – improved the seating and the technology on the stage uh we after many years i finally renovated the entire exterior into the ted jones playhouse uh, that it is now and i think to this day the the proudest thing i've I've accomplished for me is that simon you're gonna open on friday night i think so (laughs) fingers crossed fingers crossed i open when chats was we open (laughs) will you be scared uh nervous Edgy, and uh, is that good? Scared. Oh yeah, definitely. Why? That's it's proof you care, and aren't complacent, and aren't sort of hubristic. It means the gods aren't going to curse you for it. My background's in engineering, psychology, and software design. That's where that's a whole different thing. But you learn that any system is fallible. Everything has an error error rate. Everything needs error margins. Nothing is ever foolproof, including particularly a live performance. Is this show sort of like a a modern day version of what Penn and Teller did when they first uh, came on the scene? Um, in a way, yes. In other ways, no. I mean, the the thing I think it does have in common with Penn and Teller, who are have absolutely been big sources of inspiration for me yeah. over the decades, is Penn and Teller. One one of the many things that differentiated them from most other quote unquote magic acts is Penn and Teller sort of their routines expressed points of view. It wasn't just Look, I'm amazing, <laughs> which was most magic acts throughout history. They were very one-dimensional. Yeah. And whereas Penn and Teller, there was this underlying narrative to them. They were expressing like philosophical, religious, you know, yeah. point, political points of view through their work that was meant to be thought-provoking. Uh, and in that regard, absolutely, it's an attempt. This show does some of the same things. There's more than just, look, magic, ta-da. There are, there are points of view expressed. There are, the audience is meant to leave with in deeper insight into the human condition and my view on that through the show, whether or not that's worthwhile to them, is up to them to decide. But that's the point. There's things to decide about. Now, do you remember a fella by the name of Yuri Geller? Oh, yeah. That 
That guy. <laughs> he had his ups was, and downs, uh, didn't he? Well, it depends whether you mean ups and downs in his career or ups and downs as a paragon of humanity, not. <laughs> I mean, he was always down. Like He's all, nothing but down as a human being. Wow. All right, here we go. Let's go. <laughs> I mean, look, it's true. He's a... I mean, he is, speaking you know, of points a, of view, a, a evil here, fraud, yeah. basically. But, that's yeah, well, I, but I think one of, the, is. one of but the. But isn't a magician a fraud? No, because a magician says, at least if they. Uh, this is also why I prefer illusionist, uh-huh. because it's even further away from that Yuri end of the spectrum. Completely honestly, a magician, the impl- implication, particularly when you say illusionist, is I am going to do create illusions using sleight of hand and misdirection and secret methods that will look like things, but absolutely not really be those things. Hundred percent honest. So we, you're honest about your fraudulence. We, absolutely, we actually, well, it's not fraudulence, right? Because say, there is nothing, no fraud being committed. In, the, right, in, in, the, in the, show. the show, we actually say yeah. nothing that you see here is even meant to make you think for an instant that it is real. Yeah. It is there to it's, give you the illusion. Yeah, of, it is explicitly opposite of that. Yeah. So it is illusions presented as illusions. We're, we're you know, we lean into the his. I mean, Simon's a, a world champion of magic. Mm-hmm. It's his skill. There's something about appreciate, appreciating the performer, what he's capable of. He's but like an athlete. Yeah. Well, and that's... Yeah, literally. But athletes, yeah. you appreciate what they're capable of doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's not that they have superpowers. It's that you could potentially, as a kid, grow up and keep practicing and you right. can be there. And we actually train people in the audience and mm-hmm. give them some of those things and say, hey, keep practicing. And you'll be here. Yeah. But when did you know you wanted to get into this business? Uh, whew, into this business is a very different step from this art form. Right. Uh, into into the art form was first a university, 2000, uh, no, 1999. And this is back engineering days. Yeah. Yeah. Engi- yeah. yeah. First, year, first year university, psychology and software engineering, double majors with a yeah. minor in Mandarin. It was a weird degree. Minor in Mandarin. Yeah. Wow. Which I, also, I even yeah. like the sound also, of that. Spoiler alert comes up in the show. Ooh. A lot of, lot of unusual angles come up in the show you wouldn't expect from a quote-unquote magic show. Uh-huh. Uh, and it was that was when I first saw good close-up magic and was fascinated by it. It was the most interesting thing I had ever encountered yet in the world, and was just obsessed with learning more about it. Had no thought of doing it or trying to do it. I just saw a thing I didn't understand, wanted to learn how thing worked. You wanted to unravel the mystery. Yeah, completely. Which yeah. is why also when it comes to a magic show, my sympathies are absolutely with the people who are trying to figure it out because huh. that that's they're, they're the people I can relate to. Uh, the idea that you might not want to know is bizarre to me, but also I respect that. And again, that's addressed in the show, the different points of view people have about watching a magic show and how they react. Well, I think, interestingly enough, there is a large swath of the population that doesn't want to know. Mm. They like being fooled. When was the day that you knew you were going to pay the rent doing this? How old were you? Probably about a year and a half ago, honestly. Oh, is <laughs> that true? Oh, yeah. It's a brutally tough industry. And when oh, I first sure. uh, when I first quit my, I was working for a business as a business analyst for a big global Fortune 500 company for Speaking five years out of university. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I, I quit that very stable, very well paid job to go full magic. Huh. And the and for the first few years, it, I, I made barely minimum wage. I made yeah. almost nothing. My guests have been Chad Rabinovitz. He's the producing artistic director at Bloomington Playwrights Project. And Simon Coronel, who is a Australian global, let's say, Simon. Okay, you're around the world That's now. true. Your show opens tomorrow. 
at the BPP. That show is called Glitches in Reality. Both of you, Chad, Simon, thanks for being on Big Talk. It's been a pleasure. You.